Leading Ideas Talks podcast is brought to you by the Lewis Center for Church Leadership of Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C. Subscribe free to our weekly e-newsletter, Leading Ideas, at churchleadership.com slash leading ideas. Leading Ideas Talks is also brought to you by the premier Doctor of Ministry in Church Leadership Excellence from Wesley Theological Seminary and the Lewis Center for Church Leadership. With this track, clergy will receive enhanced knowledge, skills, and motivation to increase congregational and denominational service, vitality, and growth. Learn more and apply for May 2024 at wesleyseminary.edu slash dmin. And remember, to stay up to date with the latest church leadership strategies and information, please like and subscribe to this channel and click the bell icon to get updates for new videos. How can holy friendships sustain pastors and church leaders? In this episode, we speak with Victoria White about her book, Holy Friendships, Nurturing Relationships That Sustain Pastors and Church Leaders. She shares how to strengthen relationships into holy friendships and how to create opportunities for people to cultivate holy friendships. Welcome to Leading Ideas Talks, a podcast featuring thought leaders and innovative practitioners. I am Jessica Anschutz, the Assistant Director of the Lewis Center for Church Leadership, and I am your host for this Leading Ideas Talk. Joining me is Victoria White, Managing Director at Leadership Education at Duke Divinity School. She's the author of Holy Friendships, Nurturing Relationships that Sustain Pastors and Leaders. Thank you, Victoria, for taking the time to speak with me today about Holy Friendships. Absolutely. I am delighted to be here. We are glad to have you. As we start off today, I want to invite you to reflect on how church leaders can invest in their own sustainability. What a great question. That seems to be the question of the hour. Resiliency and sustainability seem to be two of the top terms that I'm hearing when it comes to to leaders today, especially within the church and, and Christian institutions. So how can leaders invest in their own sustainability? I think about the things that we typically turn to for sustainability. We think about um, continuing ed courses or maybe taking something to brush up on a skill, doing a certificate program or going on a retreat to, you know, fill up our cup so that we can then give out to others. For me, one of the best ways I invest in my own sustainability is by spending time with my holy friends. I am one of those people who, in order to do life and do life well, I need my relationship with God. I need my relationship with my family, with my therapist, with my spiritual director, with my coach, with all of those important people. And just as important, I need relationships with my holy friends because those are the folks who I cling close to me and um, see as my chosen family. Those are the folks who tell me the truth when I want to hear it, when I don't want to hear it. They hold me accountable. They keep me going. They remind me of who I am at my very best and at my very worst. 
and they remind me of who I am in God's larger unfolding story with creation. And that's one of the most important things that they do for me is help remind me that that I have a place to play in God's world. And so I believe that just as important as retreats and con ed and denominational meetings and all the things that we do to try to keep us sharp, sustainability is also a matter of who we stay in relationship with. Wonderful. I affirm all of those things that you have have shared and those uh, aspects of your relationships with your with your holy friends. So tell us about holy friendships. What are they? Um, you name some of the things that your holy friends do for you. Um, what are the characteristics of holy friendships? Sure. My definition of holy friendships are mutual and sacred relationships deeply formed in God's love. And there's a couple of key words in that definition. Mutual. Mutual means that the two people who are in the holy friendship know that this is a different kind of relationship. It's not just the kind who go to lunch or catch up every once in a while or have a very casual kind of relationship. This is not a surface level relationship. This is one where folks go to those intimate places, those deep, dark, night of the soul kinds of conversations. They also have the lighter kinds of conversations because we need those. Um, but mutual means that you both know that this is a particular kind of relationship that you both need for your sustainability and flourishing. So holy friends are mutual and sacred. Sacred is something that we Christian institutional leaders are familiar with because we think about sacred as in set apart, like the holy of holies. It is a place that is important to God. And so the sacredness of relationships to me also means that there's a connection there to God's love and God's love for us. One of the ways that God loves us is through the way that we love others. And so that's the sacredness of holy friendships. So holy friendships are mutual and sacred relationships deeply formed in God's love. That formed word is important to me because to me it connects to formation. And so holy friends are a part of our ongoing formation as Christians, as little Christs. My holy friends call me to be more Christ-like as a part of my formation. Those are the basic components of a definition of holy friendships, mutual and sacred relationships deeply formed in God's love. I also go further into the book and talk about some of the things that holy friends do for us. And being a good Trinitarian, there are three things that holy friends do for us, at least three things. The first one is that they validate our pasts. I don't know about you, but I have these, I'll date myself and say, cassette tapes that play in my head over and over again with stories of where I have failed or where I did something ridiculous or um, I should have done something differently. And they live in my head rent-free and they play over and over again and remind me of places where I've fallen short. My holy friends will hear those stories and they'll come alongside me and say, yes, absolutely. I have no doubt that that happened. And let's think about some other ways to reinterpret that story. Maybe it's that you did fail in that and what did you learn? 
Or how are you a different person because of that? And so our holy friends in validating our past also help us re-narrate the stories that we tell about ourselves. They also help us re-narrate the stories sometimes other people tell about ourselves, which is really important. The second thing that holy friends do is they hold space for us. I tell this story in the book about my friend Jean, and she and I have this phrase that we say, will you hold my basket? And what that means is when, if Jean calls and says, hey, Victoria, I need you to hold my basket. What that means is I will hold for her a metaphorical laundry basket, and she will just verbally dump everything that's going on in her world into that basket that she needs to just spew out and get off of her heart and mind at the moment. I'm giving her a place to put all the stuff that she needs to lay down. And then when she is done with the conversation, I will ask her because I love her. I will say, okay, this basket is really, really full. What would you like for me to do with it? Do you want me to just set it down? Do you want to pull something out of it and we talk about it? Or do you want to come back to these things later? I'm not going to do anything with whatever's in this basket because it's not mine. All of this is yours and it's yours to figure out what to do. And if I were to take something out of Jean's basket and deal with it for her, because I admit I am the type of person who likes to solve problems. And so I could very easily jump to it and say, oh, but you know what? Problems four, five, and six, I have an idea that we can just wipe those out right now. If I did that for her, that would be me taking away some of the work that she has to do for herself. And she would have to do it again later. So my job as holding space for her, or as we call it, holding the basket, is to just be that safe space for her to land for her to process through all of her stuff and then for to be there for her when she decides it's time for her to go through those things and work through them. And then the third thing that holy friends do for us is they help us midwife a vision for the future. Alongside those stories that we tell ourselves that live rent-free in our head, sometimes the future that we see for ourselves is quite limited to our own view of our lives. Holy friends look at our lives and our vocation in the bigger picture of God's own love story with the world. There's a sense of telos to holy friendships. And so they see that the ways that we are contributing to God's work in the world is important. And so they are able to help us midwife new visions of what our future can be. Now, those are just three things that holy friends do for me. I am quite certain that there is a laundry list of things that holy friends do for one another, but those tended to be, as I listened to folks in my research for the book, um, those tended to be kind of the three main areas that a number of the stories fell into of the work that holy friends do for each other. Thank you so much for that. And I can tell you that my experience with holy friendships, um, it fits those, those three categories. I want to pick up on holding space because I think that is that is so important for church leaders to have someone who will hold space. Talk about its importance and and how leaders can can trust the other person to hold that space, to hold that heavy and full and overflowing laundry basket. 
that's one of the reasons holy friends are so important to me. In the book, um, I talk about the importance of Christian institutional leaders and pastors having folks who can hold space who are outside of their constituency and a lot of times outside of their congregation. Because yes, it is so important to be in beautiful relationships with the people in your congregation if you are a pastor. And yet you are still their pastor. And so there is a hierarchical relationship there. Um, folks in the church are going to need you for certain things. And so they may not be the right person to hold space for you because there's always going to be a nuance to that kind of a relationship. And so I recommend that folks find their holy friends in people who are like them in that they're maybe at the same level of their professional development with them, um, who they would see moving forward in their vocational development with them. I also highly recommend looking for and nurturing holy friendships with folks who are dramatically different from you. Um, I know that I love going to denominational meetings and running into friends that I haven't seen in a long time and reconnecting with them. And it is just as important for me to go to places outside of my normal stomping grounds to go to you know, design conferences or to um, meet people at, at art galleries or um, doing different kinds of social clubs because having a difference of opinion and experience and education and um, basic general outlook on life, politics, super important today to have folks who think differently from you, is really important in us having a variety of people to hold space and help us think differently about the world. Absolutely. And I think that is incredibly important in the polarized dynamic we see at play in this in this country. When we think about the importance of, of diversifying our, our friendships, some folks may have relationships that they see have the potential to be holy friendships, but aren't quite yet holy friendships. How can, can folks sort of nurture relationships into holy friendships? There are a variety of ways to do that. And a lot of it's um, contextual and um, specific to personality. I'm one of those people who, in fact, right here on my desk, there is a, uh, a pile of stamps and note cards. I am a, a note writer and, and I travel quite a bit. And so anytime I'm at a airport and I have time sitting there at the gate or whatever, I am constantly writing notes to folks just to reconnect, to remind them that I'm thinking about them. Um, I make very good use when I do travel. Um, if I am in a city, say, for three nights, I will make sure that every single one of my meals is taken with someone who is in within, you know, a 90 mile radius. So making sure that I'm not just sitting in my um, lovely hotel room with Uber Eats and a, a movie, which is also great and important. Um, making sure that I get to see folks when I am um, traveling. I also, text messages go such a long way. One of my dearest holy friends sent me the most wonderful meme last night that said, my love language is reminding you of your power. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? That really is. 
My love language is reminding you of your power. That little meme spoke volumes to me, and not only did it communicate that exact sentence, but it called to mind all the times that she has reminded me of who I am before. And here I am talking about the meme now, today, 12 hours after she sent it. Holy friends begin with some kind of significant investment of time. So in the book, I talk about you can develop a holy friendship through longevity. So some folks have friends from, you know, kindergarten, although that's less and less um, available to us now as we are a much more transitory society and we move more often. Um, my husband has friends that he's known since kindergarten because he grew up in the same house um, his entire life. I moved around quite a bit. And so thanks to Facebook, of course, and all of the other social medias, I can keep in touch with folks. But Longevity is one of the ways that, that folks are there for those major and minor milestones in your life. Another way that we can develop holy friendships is through what I call crucible moments. And those are particular moments in time where we go through a dramatic growth. So it could be something like for pastors and Christian leaders, seminary, when you are learning new things and you're figuring out what you truly believe about scripture and about faith and about formation and how it is you want to live out your vocation. It might be the people if you are um, raising tiny humans, the people that you had children with. It might be people that you potted with in um, the beginnings of COVID. The people who you chose to spend, you know, a lot of time with when you couldn't really spend time with anyone else. So those kinds of crucible moments have the space around it for you to have those kinds of intimate and vulnerable revealing conversations that provide the fodder for developing a holy friendship. There's one other way that I mentioned in the book that I think is really beautiful. Um, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the idea of a blink and how you can recognize something or someone in a blink. And I tell the story about two women who met and instantly the way they describe it is their souls recognized one another, that they knew that this person was going to be, um, and I gave them the language. So they then use the language of a holy friend in their life. They recognize that there was some kind of kinship between the two of them. And so I do believe that's possible. I have had that with um, one person who is one of my dearest holy friends um, still today. And it, it really is a beautiful thing. There are a number of ways that you can develop holy friendships. A lot of it is simply intentionality. It's seeing that in someone else, recognizing that you need it and that you also know that someone else needs it too, because we all need to be in community with one another. And so then intentionally following up, building that relationship and investing in one another. I appreciate that. And I want to take us a step back. Um, so many clergy, I talk about the the challenge of meeting new friends and making new friends as, as adults. So how can we initiate those relationships that they then may lead to holy friendships? The disservice that we are doing to a number of younger leaders today is we aren't forcing face-to-face -face 
contact with folks. So much of what we do is online. And so there is a um, anonymity to it. There is a level of protection to it. Um, the screens enable us to hide a lot. And so it's not that I don't believe holy friendships can't start online. They absolutely positively can because we have found ways to allow us to be vulnerable and um, reveal a lot of ourselves online. However, I do believe that the majority of really significant relationships begin with some kind of face-to-face -face interaction. And so for me, that means getting outside of our house, putting down our phones, meeting people for meals and going for walks and going to book groups and going to places where you know there's going to be people who are interested in something that you're interested in and being vulnerable to the point of walking up to join a conversation that you overhear that someone's talking about something interesting to you, joining in the conversation, asking a question, and then get this, Jessica, being interested in the person's answer, like really listening, not just listening so that you can respond, but wanting to learn about what it is they're talking about, and then asking another question, continuing that conversation. And then at the end of the conversation, if it goes well saying, you know what, I really, I enjoyed this. Could we, could we go grab a cup of coffee or would you mind if I sent you that book title that I was trying to remember and I can't think of now, and maybe we could follow up and have another conversation about this. It's about putting ourselves out there. You don't have to say, hey, I'm lonely. I need to develop more <laughs> friendships. All you have to do is go out and initiate a couple of conversations. And if you are genuine and earnest in the questions that your aunt's asking and wanting people to engage with you, I promise one of those is going to work out. Now, it's important to know not all of them will. And I do tell a couple of funny stories in the book about how I've tried to initiate friendships with a couple of folks sometimes and they've been too busy or they just weren't interested. And yeah, that hurt my ego at the time. And you know what? It's okay, because I don't need to be in a friendship with someone who doesn't want to be in a friendship with me. And at the same time, it's important for us to put ourselves out there. Now, one thing I do want to clarify, though, because I can hear all of my introvert friends in the world cringing right now at the idea of putting themselves out there and having to initiate a conversation. I'm not asking for folks to do this with five or 10 or 15 people. For me, I believe that sustainability and flourishing in Christian ministry comes from having at least one holy friend, having one person that you can turn to and rely on and be in conversation with over time. You don't have to have two or three or five of them. One of them is great. There are lots of people I know who are very healthy, thriving leaders who are one friend kind of people. And that is totally and completely okay. And so I want to put that out there to all of my friends who are curled up on the couch right now, just shuddering at the idea of having to talk to a bunch of people. That is not what this is about. You don't have to do that, but you do need to talk to at least someone. I, I appreciate that. And I'm sure that we have listeners who are extroverts and some who are introverts. So I hope that they will all find their ways to holy friendships. So you've talked about 
sort of how we can cultivate them and what they look like. What are some of the barriers other than somebody just not interested in being a friend? Um, what are some of the barriers to holy friendships? One of the greatest barriers to them is time that folks will say, you know, Victoria, all this sounds great. And, and I agree that it's super important. And I have a full-time job or maybe two full-time jobs. And I have a family and I have aging parents and I live in community and I have all these other things that I need to be doing. And I agree, absolutely. All of those things are very important. And kind of like we talked about in the beginning of our conversation, if you're spending time researching a text for your sermon, you are doing that because that is an expectation of part of your job as a pastor who delivers sermons. If you are preparing a funeral for a family whose loved one has died, you are doing that because that is part of your job as a chaplain who does funerals. I believe that being in relationship with our holy friends is part of our job as pastors and Christian leaders, because whatever it is that we do that makes us better at our jobs is actually part of our jobs. And so if having a 20 minute phone call with a holy friend during the day then puts me in a better mood, gives me more creative ideas, helps me access the more vulnerable parts of myself, and then enables me to be more effective in a meeting, more creative in a newsletter article, and give better leadership development advice to an employee, then that 20 minutes that I spent on the phone with my friend is part of my work. It is not something that is a luxury item that I do at the end of the day when I'm exhausted, if I have 20 extra minutes on my commute home, or it's not something that I do on Saturday night, if I have time at the end of the week. Being in community and nurturing our holy friendships is part of the work that we are called to do as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about how Jesus spent his time in ministry on earth. He spent it surrounded by friends. Jesus did his work in community. We are called to do our work in community. And I believe because we are called to do work in community, that means we need to hold our holy friends close because doing work in community is incredibly challenging work it can also feel incredibly lonely. You can be in a room full of people and still feel lonely. That's why we need our holy friends to help call us back to ourselves, remind us who we are as beloved children of God. Beautiful. I, I really appreciate the way that both in our conversation here today and also throughout the book, you tie this back to scripture and the example of Jesus. We have talked about so much. Our time is rapidly drawing to a close, but I want to encourage our listeners, if they haven't already, to pick up your book, Holy Friendships, Nurturing Relationships That Sustain Pastors and Leaders. And I want to invite you as we wrap up, Victoria, to talk about how can church leaders inspire other people to seek out and cultivate holy friendships? One of the 
superpowers I believe that church leaders have that is greatly underutilized is the power to convene. When church leaders invite people to come together, there is power in that. There is an authority in that. There is a kind of underlying mystery that the Holy Spirit will be present and something beautiful and amazing is going to happen. And so I I would encourage church leaders to utilize their power to convene people into groups in which they can cultivate the conditions for holy friendships to be realized, to be nourished, to flourish. Because imagine what a finance committee could do if it was full of people who were holy friends. Imagine what a deacon committee could do if it was a group of holy friends who trusted one another, who believed in one another, who held one another accountable, who truly believed that their flourishing was connected to each other's flourishing. Imagine what it would be to lead a church full of congregants who are emotionally and spiritually mature enough to nurture their own holy friendships. For me, that's a glimpse of beloved community. That's a glimpse of what Jesus wants for all of us and the example that Jesus set for us. It also means that there will be challenge in it. It will be challenge done in love and in appreciation and in honor of one another. But I would encourage our Christian leaders to convene folks in really intentional ways that set up conversations for holy friendships to blossom and flourish so that their community might do the same. Beautiful. I like it. Thanks so much, Victoria, for joining me today. It's been a joy to speak with you about your book and about holy friendships. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Leading Ideas Talks. Please like and subscribe to this channel and click the bell icon to get updates for new videos.